So we are in a series called Signs of Life. This is week five, and this morning, oh, this morning we are going to talk about a topic that makes parents and kids cringe. Not that topic. No, no, not, not that one. Not the one that we can't say in a loud voice in the South, right? Uh, this morning we're going to talk about the D word, Discipline. All right, we're talking about discipline. Now listen, um, every parent that I know, including myself, feels like they don't do this well, but we also feel like we don't do it as poorly as those other parents, right? And every kid that I know, I was this way growing up, I was convinced that if my parents came to discipline me, they were no longer my parents. They had turned into instruments of Satan, right? Um, and, And listen, honestly, maybe they did. They probably thought I was too. Discipline is something that we struggle with. I don't know that we really ever feel like we're succeeding in this area. I, I, was, I thought, okay, I'm going to make this light. I'm going to do something that lightens the mood about discipline, right? Because no matter how you feel you've done in this area, I can guarantee you this. When I said the word discipline, you thought to yourself, I don't want to hear about it, and I certainly don't want to sit here and listen to him talk about it. So I thought what I could do to lighten the mood is I can go on YouTube, and I can search for kids gone crazy in Walmart. And and I can show those videos, and we'll all get a big kick out of it, but then the more I watched the videos, I couldn't show them because I almost was brought to tears because... As, as bad as the kids were, when the parents finally did step in to try to correct them, the parents were worse. Like, I kept thinking, if I was that kid, I would also be pitching fits in Walmart. I mean, it just confirms that as a society, we don't really get this. It's hard. It's really difficult to talk about Discipline. And then on top of that, it's my job this morning as your pastor to communicate in a way that is convincing enough that you will believe when we get done that not only is discipline not a bad thing, it's actually one of the signs of life. Like, I don't know what discipline is a sign of in your life, right? But according to Hebrews chapter 12, it's, it's a sign of life and it's a sign of love. I think we've got this verse. If we can throw it up on the screen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 says this. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Well, the ones in Walmart, right? That's, that answer is obvious. Except I think sometimes that was me too. So, whether we like discipline or not, and, and I, just so you can exhale, by the end of the message, you'll find out that you're not actually supposed to like it, okay? You don't have to like it. But whether or not we like it, whether or not we think we're good at it, the one thing that we're going to see over and over again in Hebrews 12 is that this is a sign that God loves us, that he is a good father. So as hard as it might be, and think about this, as hard as it might be to think that God is in control during the hard times, and, and you don't have to raise your hands. I just know that all of us could say, I've been through hard times, right? And when we go through hard times, usually what we start saying to God is, fix it. 
and, and it can almost be a little bit discouraging to think that God's in control during the hard times because he's not fixing it as fast as we would like him to fix it. But let me just submit a more terrifying thought that God is not in control of the hard times. Like somehow he falls off the throne whenever we go through hard times. To me, that's more terrifying. He is in control of the things that come into our lives. He does allow those to pass through his hands. He doesn't cease to be God because you and I have bad days. But the reality is this. Sometimes it feels like his hand hurts. So here's what I want you to take away this morning. Here's your big idea. We can trust God's heart when his hand seems harsh. We can trust his heart when his hand seems harsh. Now what I want to do this morning is I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 12, Verses 3 through 11, we're going to read those. I'm going to give you four truths that I see, four takeaways that I see in this passage. And then by that time, we're all going to be probably in the same place mentally, thinking through like, well, how do we live this out? And I'm going to show you something at the end, very powerful, that um, I think will help tie it all together. Okay, so let's just start by reading Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 11. The author writes this, consider him That's Jesus. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone He accepts as a son. Here's the verse that we just read earlier. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by the Father? And if you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Again, signs of life, godly discipline. Verse 9, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. If you don't respect your father for it, it's okay. Hang with me. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Four takeaways. Here's your first one. God's discipline cannot be understood without looking at Jesus. I mean, the very first word that we read is consider. It's like, it's almost like God said, before we even start to talk about the D word, right, before we even start to talk about discipline, do one thing first, consider Jesus. And that, that Greek word for consider, it's the only time it's used in the Bible. And it means to consider Okay, it's a little bit bigger than that. It means to compare. It means to weigh. It means to give consideration to. When we go through something, we kind of compare it to something else. And so what he's saying is, I'm not writing to you and saying, act like what you're going through isn't a big deal. I'm just asking you, before you even think about that, consider what Jesus endured. And when you weigh those two things together, what we'll probably find is, yeah, what we're going through is hard, but wow, look what Jesus did. He said, consider him who endured hardship, endured the cross, endured suffering from sinful men. 
mean, I don't, I don't want to speak for you. I'll just speak for me. Most of my suffering has been self-induced. I just make stupid choices that lead to really bad consequences in my life sometimes. Not all the time, but a lot of it. And what he's saying about Jesus is Jesus didn't make bad choices. He was persecuted by sinful men. And if you consider him, that's what he went through. He's saying he, he, he resisted even to the point where he shed his own blood. He said, you haven't done that yet. Consider him. Consider the fact that he, he's already been through successfully what we're now going through. I almost brought one of my favorite clips from Rocky Four, but I didn't know how you felt about Rocky. But I love in Rocky Four when he's fighting Drago, the Russian, and and he's like he can't hurt him, right? And so somewhere at the end of round, I think round two, he he hits him and cuts him, and everybody freaks out. They're like, "He's cut! He's cut! The Russian's cut!" And the Russian starts to bleed. Well, when Rocky comes back and sits in the in his corner. His trainer says, see, he's a man. He's not a machine. He's a man. What I want you to know is Jesus isn't Rocky. But what he did was Rocky showed everybody else, like, you know what, that's not a machine. Everybody's been so afraid of Drago, but I just cut him. He's not a machine. Rocky led the way. Jesus led the way. This enemy that we fight against, these things that we struggle against, these hardships that we go through, and we think, I'll never get through them. What the author's saying is, consider Jesus, because he did. He got through. Hard times and suffering, discipline did not stop him. It will not stop you. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you'll have trouble, but I have overcome the world, so take heart. So when we look at Jesus first, it helps us to kind of paint the picture, frame God's discipline, right? We're not going through something that his own son didn't go through, and that helps. Here's the second truth, the second takeaway. The best discipline comes from a father and a family who seeks our best. Discipline's not a solitary event. <laughs> um, oh, gosh, please don't raise your hand. Have you ever seen somebody that you didn't know discipline your child? Did you kill them? <laughs> like, parents get close, right? Like, right on the edge. You, like, want to turn to those people and go, I can take care of my child, right? Discipline happens best. The best discipline comes in a family. It comes from a father. Because they know us. He's got our best at heart. He knows what we need. Man, strangers may not know what we need. Satan would love nothing more than to let the suffering in our lives separate us from a father and separate us from a family that cares for us. Even in, in the beginning of this chapter, we didn't read the first verse, but the whole chapter 12 starts with the witnesses that we're surrounded, we're surrounded by people who have been through what we're going through, who believe and Jesus getting us through what he got them through. In verses 5 through 9, he says this, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart because he disciplines the ones he loves. He's saying like you're in the family. You have a father and he loves you. He paints the picture of families now. He says you've got, you've got earthly fathers and they discipline you. And, it, and it, you respect them for it. I think if you could read between the lines, what he said is you have earthly fathers and they disciplined you, and when you aged and had your own kids, you respected them for it, right? Because there's nothing like when you have your own children, you go, oh, 
Oh, that's why my dad did that. Because I was a jerk. Right? Your eyes get open and you suddenly go, oh, I, I respect them now. Now I see what they were trying to accomplish. Discipline, the best discipline comes from a father and a family who seeks our best. Last week we were talking, I was joking around about the saying, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Like, and every, every kid's like, let's switch places. What I didn't tell you was that saying is really true. As a matter of fact, now we got twins, you know, Parker and Will twins, so they were, they were born the first time I had to discipline them. The first time I had to, and I don't know where you, where you hang out on this whole deal, but I actually spanked them. But the first time I spanked them, when it was all said and done, I'm like trying to be the strong father. But then I had to like, I said, stay in your room. And the reason I had to stay in the room was because I had to go to my room and bawl my eyes out. It ripped my heart out to discipline my kids. Like, listen, your father, your heavenly father takes no pleasure in the disciplining of his kids and the pain that he sees in us when it happens. We'll see at the end of this chapter there's something else that he takes pleasure in, but hurting you is not it. He doesn't take pleasure in that. No parent that I know takes pleasure in the pain of their children. The writer of Hebrews is saying that our human father's discipline is for our good. How much more will our heavenly father do that? Which leads to number three. I love this one. This is my favorite one. God disciplines us for our good, not because of our bad. Listen to verse 10. Talk about our, our earthly fathers. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. This is a hard concept, Okay. Because we're convinced that God's mad at us because we've done bad things. But he disciplines us for our good, not because of our bad. I think most of us as parents, maybe all of us would agree with this point, simply because we as parents usually discipline our children because we see greatness in them and want to help bring it out. Now, on the days that you're really tired, that might not be what you're thinking, right? But as parents, man, I, I get to raise three children, and I see greatness in them. And when they aren't living up to that, I want to help bring that out. And so I know that discipline and training them can help to bring out the best of who they are. How much more so with God? Discipline is a matter of training and correction more than a matter of punishment. And Romans 2, 4 says that God does it in his kindness. Says, don't forget, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Rich Wilkerson, who is, um, I, I, he's related to David Wilkerson, who started Teen Challenge. Um, Rich Wilkerson tells this story about when he was in school, he made a D. And, and D's in his house were not accepted because he was a smarter student than that. But he made a D, and he got his report card, and he did what any other child would do. He got a pen, and he changed that D into a B. And so he showed it proudly to his father, and his father was like, go to your room. He's like, we're having the party in my room? What? This is awesome. So he goes in his room, and he knew right away, like he'd been, he was busted. He knew he'd been found out. His dad came in to the room and sat on the bed 
and started to weep. And Rich was like, curveball, right? He's kind of thinking, why are you crying? I'm the one that's fixing to get killed, right? And all his dad said was, he turned to me and said, Rich, I need to ask you to forgive me. And that's, I mean, he's, you can just put yourself in Rich's shoes. He's just blown away by this. He's like, what is my, is my dad on drugs? What's going on, right? He said, forgive you for what? He said, I want you to forgive me for being the kind of father that would scare you so much that you would change a D to a B. That's a little bit of the heart of God. We fear a heavenly father who only has the good in mind. We fear him needlessly because he punishes us, uh, he disciplines us for our good, not because of our bad. And so at this point, you've got to be feeling a little bit conflicted. I know that I have been as I was prepping for this message. I get to that point, and that sounds so good. And what I think is, so you're saying I should like it. So let's get this fourth point down, and then let's um, wrap this up in a way that you'll remember it. Understanding the purpose of discipline helps us undergo the process of discipline. Understanding the purpose of discipline helps us undergo the process of discipline. That's a lot of words. Let's just read verse 11. I love the Bible. I love that the Bible is clear. I love that the Bible leaves no guesswork. And here's what he says. No, everybody say no. That leaves no room for, well, maybe this one or maybe that one. He says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. So let me just say this unequivocally. You do not have to like it or enjoy it. We just need to understand it. So if you've been around Christians or pastors or teachers who have said, oh, I mean, you should be thankful that you're going through this. Uh, not according to this. And even if you wanted to get theological and throw in James where he says, count it all joy when you encounter all kinds of trials, I would just push back and say, read it again. He didn't say to count it joy for the trial. He says to count it joy because of what the trial will produce. We're not created to enjoy it. That is like you as a parent going in and spanking or disciplining your child and then beginning to cry, and you go, stop crying, that was fun. And they would think you were the craziest person on the planet. We're not supposed to enjoy it. We're just supposed to understand it. And verse 11 is clear. It always hurts. It's never pleasant. But it always has a purpose. And here's the purpose. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been, past tense, trained by it. The fruit of God's discipline is peace and righteousness because we will someday have been trained, completed by it. Now, that's a lot to grab, I know. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to sit back. I want you to watch this video for the next few minutes, and I think this will help sum all of what we just said.
Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm gonna make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Wait, wait, what are these about? These are the tools I'm gonna to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up, here we go. Okay. Oh, hey God, mm -hmm. how do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe four to five, maybe eight lines right here, that would be awesome. <laughs> You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. Mm. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, Compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, mean, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, 
It's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things or life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish, it's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever gonna hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize, heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years. These empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah. But you and I both... What? No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay chisel away. But just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in me. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult and I go out and, I, and I, I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not for me. 
And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach your back pocket. What? Reach your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my God. Shh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead and read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me, then use me. Then, God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a, as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy... Is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. As I was thinking about this message, um, the thought I kept having was this. The reason that we equate discipline with punishment is because deep down we believe that we need to be punished. Isaiah 53, 5 says this. 
that he bore the punishment for our sins. There's nothing left to punish. And when we remove, remove that, when we realize that all of the punishment for my sin and your sin was put on him at the cross, that's why the writer of Hebrews said at the very beginning, consider him. Consider him. There's nothing left to punish. And, and you're thinking, but I did so much bad last week. But God punishes us. He disciplines us for our good, not because of our bad. He sees greatness. And he chisels it out. Now, forget thinking about your family. Forget thinking about your spouse, your friend, the person who hurt you last week. And just close your eyes and let's think about you. Where are you this morning with God? Don't think about the things you want him to chisel out of someone else's life. Let's just let him begin to chisel on ours. When he begins to chisel, it hurts. It's supposed to. Sometimes God's hand is harsh. But I want you to know that in those moments, we can trust his heart. And his heart is for you. His heart wants you. His heart is that you would fulfill the purpose that he created you for. And and discipline is a sign that we're his children. Not always the most fun sign, but it's a sign. So I want to end this morning praying over you. And I don't want you to be alone when I do it. So we don't do this often or always, but this morning I'm going to ask, just as people's eyes are closed, would you just raise your hand if you're like, that's, that's me? I mean, I, he's talking to me about the discipline in my life right now, what he's doing in my life, and I want to see that as his hand. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you so much. I mean, all over the room. Would you, would you take a huge step? It is a huge step of faith, I know, but... If you raise your hand, would you just stand where you are? You're not alone. I tons of hands in the room. Thank you so much. Now, there's nothing worse than standing up in a place where you're not comfortable or familiar with people. So I'm going to ask, if you're near somebody that's standing, would you just stand up next to them, put your hand on their shoulder? We, we believe this. It is almost a sin to let people walk this faith alone. Can we just end this morning with you feeling the hands of family? Listen, even if you're here for the first time, you're like, I don't know anybody. We're your family. We love you. You are surrounded by people who believe in you because Jesus is molding you and shaping you. And we just want to pray this morning that God's discipline, while it is hard and it is painful, in your life, it would be worth it. 
when it's over. Because you're going to look like Jesus. And you're going to begin to see the purpose that God has had all along. So, Father, right now, just as we wrap this morning up, we, we, God, want to understand the purpose of your discipline. And it is so that we can have peace and be righteous, so that we can be complete as your children. And listen, it doesn't always go like we'd hope it would. I keep hearing these words in this song, and even if you don't, I'm still going to trust you are faithful, even if you choose to do things the way I would never want you to. So, Lord, whatever it is in our lives, the parts of our lives that you were chiseling out, we first and foremost want to say not thank you for the pain, but thank you for the love that would motivate you to discipline us for our good. And give us, God, more faith to trust you in the process. Thank you for being a father that we can trust. Thank you for being a father who doesn't let us get away with stuff that and you're always chiseling and you're always molding God we look forward to the day when we will look back and say now I see what you were doing and why you did it and until then father fill us with faith and courage to trust you with the hammer and the chisel and with our lives. In your name, Jesus. Amen.